Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That was a big risk for her to take when she made the promise that if her Syrian master went to Israel to the prophet Elisha, that he would heal him of, of the leprosy. She really, did, did she think what might happen if Naaman did go to Elisha and God did not heal him of the leprosy? Did she think about that? No. She didn't think about that because she was 100% convinced. She knew that God was good. She loved Naaman. She had prayed for Naaman. She knew that God was going to heal Naaman if, if he came to God as a DRS, as a dirty, rotten sinner. And this made, she was little, but she had great faith. She had great faith. Just think about the role that this, this, this little maid has played in this history If she had not spoken up, if she had not made this promise, if she had not by faith in God made this promise that God was going to heal Naaman's leprosy, Naaman never would have become a believer in Jehovah Jesus as the only God in all the earth. That's the reason why this little maid, who we don't even know what her name is, she takes her place among the great women of the Bible, alongside Rahab, alongside Deborah, alongside Ruth, alongside Esther, all women who risked their lives to take their stand by faith for God. And God honored her prayer. God honored her promise. God answered this little maid's prayer by healing Naaman when he did go to Elisha the prophet. She plays a very key role in this history. Now, it appears that Naaman went to the king of of Syria and asked him for permission to go to Israel and, and to seek out this prophet who would heal him from his leprosy. And the king gave Naaman the permission to go to Israel and he sent with him a letter to the king of Israel and a gift and then it says in verse 5 that, that uh, he gives him a commission, says, go, go, I'll send a letter. And he departed, and there was the 10,000, the 10 talents of silver, the 6,000 pieces of gold, and the 10 changes of raiment. What we see in Naaman is, a, is not only hearing the word, the promise from the little maid, but an acting. He was a doer of the word. You know, Naaman did not take the position of, that little girl talks like a fool, How can any prophet in Israel do for me what none of the doctors in Syria have been able to do for me? And that shows us that if any person really wants to come to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's got to be willing to humble himself. Humble himself, just like Naaman was willing to humble himself and follow the directions of a little maid. Now, Naaman, also, when he came, he didn't disguise himself. He let it be known to everybody that he was going to the prophet in Samaria to heal him of his leprosy. Again, shows up. If any person wants to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, he's got to be open about it. He's got to be, he, he cannot hide, just like Naaman was open 
about going to Israel with his leprosy to a prophet in Samaria. So Naaman, he steps out on his journey. He set out. And those are why these words are so important in that verse when it says in verse 5, and he departed. And he departed. He actually went. He went. It shows us again, any person who wants to receive the Lord Jesus Christ cannot be half-hearted. He's got to be fully engaged, like it says in Deuteronomy 4.29. Deuteronomy 4.29. If thou from thence will seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If, there's a condition, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. God does not meet casual seekers. God meets diligent seekers who come with all their heart, with all their soul. Now comes the response of the king of Israel in verse 7. Now the king of Israel gets the letter There's Naaman, and he reads it, and it says, after he read the letter, he tears his clothes, and he says, am I God that I can kill and make alive, and I can recover this man of his leprosy? And so, what a contrast in faith there is between the king of Israel and his response, and the little maid in her response in verse 3, would God my Lord, were with the prophet in Samaria. He would recover him of his leprosy. And the king of Israel says, the guy can't be done. The king of Israel did not have the same faith as the little girl did. He needed to follow the little girl. He needed to follow the little girl. Like it says in Isaiah 11, 6, 11, Isaiah 11, 6, a little child shall lead them. The king's problem was he wasn't like a little child. He, the king was too old for faith. You know, and no one should be too old for faith. No one should be too old for because to be too be to be too old for faith is to be kept out of heaven. That's what the Lord meant when he said in Matthew eighteen three, Matthew eighteen three, he said, Verily I say unto you, except you become converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So Naaman saw this unbelief of the king of Israel. That was probably he he said, This is unbelievable. I've come to the king of Israel and how could the king of Israel have such a mighty God and as such a great prophet and he doesn't believe? You know what Naaman must have felt like at that point? He must have felt like the wise men. He must have felt like the wise men who came to the Lord Jesus, the king of the Jews. They came from a long way. They came to Jerusalem and to Herod. And they said, well, where is he that's born king of the Jews? Everybody said, huh? Yeah, and, and they, they just figured, they, those wise men, they must have figured, well, of course, everybody's going to be going. Everybody's going to be going to worship the king of the Jews. But they found that wasn't the case at all. And that didn't discourage them. That was also amazing. It didn't discourage the wise men. So they just pressed on. They said, well, if the Jews come or they don't come, I'm going. And they pressed on to find him that was born king of the Jews. Same with Naaman. When he sees the king of Israel, he said, well, I'm going. So he must have been surprised to find the king that, that, that was not believing even in his own prophet is, that could heal him of leprosy. You know, many Christians today are surprised at the unbelief of the Jewish people, at the rejection of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah. Okay, so Naaman, he drives on and he arrives at Elisha's house in, in, in verse 9. Oh, a lot of fanfare. He comes with his horses, his chariot. He stands at the door of the house. Elisha, and, 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 and what happens? Elisha sends a mess. Elisha stays inside. Elisha sends a messenger and says, go wash in the Jordan seven times and you'll be cleansed. So big entourage in verse 9. The horses, the chariot, 
Uh, we can imagine, well, Naaman's all probably dressed up with all of his medals there and, and uh, in very impressive captive's clothes. And, and, and he's really expecting Elisha to come out and really do him honor. Elisha doesn't even come to the door. <laughs> he, doesn't even, he doesn't even pull the drapes back to look at him or wave or anything. But he sends out a messenger with his instructions to Naaman and says, okay, go down to the River Jordan and wash seven times and you'll be recovered of your leprosy. Very simple instruction for how he was to be healed of his leprosy. No formality, no formality from Elijah, not even going to the door, not going to the window, just a message, go wash seven times, you'll be healed. Why did he do that? Why did Elijah do that? Why did Elijah not even go to the door for a person who's come so far from Damascus to greet him, not even wave from the window? Why did Elijah tell Naaman to go wash in the muddy Jordan River seven times? Because Elisha saw this man has got not just the disease of his body. He doesn't need only to be healed from his, his body of leprosy. He's got a disease of the soul. He's got a disease of the soul. This man needs to be healed from the, the, from the disease of pride. Because, because Elisha not only wanted to heal Naaman's body of leprosy, but Elijah wanted to heal Naaman's soul of the pride. It was bad enough that the great Syrian, uh, captain of Syrian, should be following the leading of a little maid. But now the great Syrian captain is to follow the instructions of a prophet who won't even come out to see him and sends him instructions by a messenger to go in the Jordan. That was a real affront to Naaman's pride. And there's another reason. There's another reason why Elijah didn't come to the door. Just imagine the temptation for Elijah. I mean, here is the renowned captain of the Syrian army. He's in his chariot. He's got the horsemen. He's got the big gift, the gold, the silver, the clothing. And if Elijah had gone out and healed him as his leprosy, can you imagine the celebrityness that Elijah would have gotten over all this? I mean, the, the, the little maid, she started the spotlight on Elisha when she said, well, would God, my Lord, with the prophets in Samaria, he would recover him of his leprosy. So already he feels the spotlight, Elisha does. Naaman expected the great prophet he's heard so much about. He's going to come out. He's going to recover me of my leprosy. And Elisha would not accept. He said, no, I will not accept the spotlight to be put on myself. He knew there was only one place for the spotlight, on God, on God alone. So he makes, Elisha makes an intentional decision to stay in the background. In spite of what others may say, Elisha's thinking, in spite of what others may say or think about me, that I'm somehow the cure, I know that my part is only to bring God's cure. And so he stand, see, Elisha, he really is standing in between Naaman and God. And Elijah turns to Naaman, and Elijah sees a man who is sick of leprosy and also sick with pride. And then Elijah turns to God, and he sees God can cure Naaman. All Elijah has to do is just bring Naaman and God together, and then leave them alone and let God do his healing. Just like Elisha, we don't save anyone from the sickness of their sins. Just like Elijah, we know that we are not the cure for sins. Just like Elijah, we know that our part is to stand in between the sinner and God and to look at the sinner and see him as lost and look at God and see him as the one who can save. 
And all we do is bring the two together, the sinner and God, and then let God do his saving work. And when Elisha stayed in the house, Elisha was just like John the Baptist. Just like John the Baptist, who was, who, after all, John the Baptist. There were thousands that were coming out of Israel for his congregation there. He could sit back and said, well, you see, we're running about uh, 10,000 yesterday. That's John the Baptist, but he doesn't. Instead, it says in John 1.22, then they said unto him, John 1.22, then said they unto him, who art thou? Challenging John the Baptist. That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest thou of thyself? Now, it was very tempting. Like I said, John the Baptist could have said, well, you know, I'm a great preacher of thousands. Just look at the size of my congregation. Hang around a little bit. You'll see thousands coming in here. But John the Baptist refused any of that kind of credit. And instead, John the Baptist said in John 1.23, John 1.23, he said, I'm a voice. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. John says, I'm only a voice. I'm only a voice. I'm an unseen voice, just a voice. I'm not a voice preaching in Jerusalem. I'm not a voice preaching in the temple. I'm only a voice crying out here in the wilderness. See, with John the Baptist, with Elisha, personality disappears. When a person is just a voice and can't be seen, and John was determined to remain in the background when he said in John 3.30, John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Now, Elisha, he was not going to be known as the one who healed the great Naaman. Oh, no, not Elisha. Elisha chose to be only a voice, an unseen voice, remaining unseen in the house, only sending out messages to Naaman through his servant. Man always wants to put the pastor on a pedestal. He always wants to do that. Man always wants to see this special group of people called priests. They're always a priest. Oh, father. We'll call him father. He's a priest. But the truth is, is that in the church, there is no special group of persons who are called priests. Because every believer is a priest, as God told the Jewish people that way back in Exodus 19.6. Exodus 19.6. He said, you shall be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words that thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And for today, the word is also 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, holy nation, peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So Elisha remains in the house. Naaman didn't even get a chance to see what's this prophet look like. I can't, I don't even know what he looks like. Because Elisha wanted to be lost in his message and that God is going to heal Naaman. That's the message. God's going to heal Naaman, and Elijah just wants to be lost in that message. Now, we see what the message was that Elijah sent by his servant, by his messenger for Naaman, and it was, as it says in verse 10, Elijah sent a messenger unto him saying, go and wash. That's the message. In the Jordan, seven times thy flesh shall become again, and thou shall be clean. So Elijah's message to Naaman, so simple. It's just so simple. It's just go and wash. Just go and wash? Naaman says, that's it? Just go and wash? That's what I, the great captain, the Syrian captain Naaman, is supposed to do? I'm just supposed to go and wash? And Elijah told Naaman, you don't need to do anything more. That's it. Just go and wash. Wash, wash, and that will clean you. 
Now, when Elisha told Naaman that, to go and wash, it was really a test. It was really a test of Naaman's obedience where Naaman has to do nothing except wash. That's such a perfect illustration, go and wash. Because Naaman, he could never claim that he was doing anything for his healing. Well, what did you do, Naaman? Well, I washed. You know, because the emphasis is on the water of the Jordan River. For example, you, you picture yourself in the shower and you're washing yourself and you're getting all clean. And you're doing all the action of washing and the water, the shower is, is coming and you're washing and you're getting clean. Now I want you to picture that same scene of you going into the shower and you're washing, but don't turn the water on. You're just going through all the motions, but don't turn the water on. There's no water. What happens? You're not going to be clean because without water, there's no cleansing. So it's really the water that cleaned you. And all you did is just apply the water to yourself to be clean. What cleaned you? The act of the washing or the water? It was the water. And the same is true of the gospel. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin, which is illustrated by the water from the shower. All we do to become clean from our sins, we just apply the blood, which is illustrated by the washing with water. And that's as it says in Revelation 1.5, Revelation 1.5, where it speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And Revelation 7.14, Revelation 7.14, these are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. No water in the shower, no cleansing. No blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, no cleansing from sin. When the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ was shed, the cry was, it's finished. It's finished, which means that there's nothing more that we do. We don't bring anything for our salvation. Just like the hymn says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. That's very interesting. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. What do you cling with? The hand. What's that mean? If a person tries to bring anything in his hand to God for his salvation, like his good works, his hands are full. He can't cling. He can't cling to the cross. It's either going to be nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling, or it's going to be something in my hand I bring, and to thy cross I cannot cling. Now, when the brass snake, when the brazen serpent was raised up on the pole, God's message to the Israelites, who were already dying from the snake bites, was simply look and live. Look and live. Paul told the Philippian jailer, very simple message, believe and be saved. God's message through Elijah to Naaman was, go and wash. That's it. The message is so simple. Now we see Naaman's response in verse 11. Naaman was wroth, and he went away and said, behold, I thought he'll come out to me and stand, call the name of God, strike his hand, and recover the leper. And he talks about the other rivers that are better. And he went away in a rage. He exploded Naaman exploded. Why? Because his pride was touched. His pride was touched. And he wanted to be treated like a great man. Naaman, he says, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but I only want to go to heaven first class. I don't want to fly economy to heaven. (laughs) But everyone goes to heaven by economy class because at the foot of the cross, the ground's level. Everyone is the same. As it says in Romans 11.32, Romans 11.32, For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. Reminds me of the hospital in in, in the city where Scantabodies is in Budajira in Ethiopia. 
and you go into that hospital and you go go tour around and you come to this one room and you're told, well, that's the tuberculosis room. And there's a lot of people in there and everybody in that room has TB. You don't want to go in that room. I did once and I'm glad I didn't get TB. But anyway, everybody is in that room. Why? It's just like God has put man, all of man in one room and it's the room called unbelief. It's like God has concluded them all in unbelief so that he can have mercy on everyone in that room. Then Naaman reveals what he was really thinking about in verse 11 when he says, Behold, I thought he will surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the the Lord his God and strike his hand to the place and recover the leper. Basically, Naaman was expecting a great display a grand appearance. Elijah's going to come. The man, he's going to come out. Maybe he's going to be all dressed in white clothes <laughs> with a lot of gold, flashy jewelry he should be wearing with all kinds of music and there should be drama and incantations. That was Naaman's understanding. And God's word to Naaman was, no, Naaman, my word to you is Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And in essence, God was saying to Naaman, Naaman, if you want a big show, sorry, I can't help you. So as Naaman storms away in this rage, and he says, the rivers in Damascus are great, Bana and Farpar, better than all the waters in Israel. May I not wash in them be clean. He's angry. He's angry with the simple message. Oh, that seems so too common, too cheap, too simple. Go and wash. And he thinks, I can go wash in the rivers of Jordan. It's just like a person who thinks that I can be saved by my great good works. And that's again the Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Then his servants came and thanked God for the servants. They're kind of similar to the little maid. They come to him, they reason with them. Thank God that they gave him the counsel of his life. Thank God for those who give us counsel in life when we're dead wrong. And they said, you know, is it such a big thing? I mean, if you'd asked to do a big thing, you would have done it, right? So why can't you do this? And he agrees. And he goes to wash himself seven times in the Jordan. And then God heals him. Then in verse 15, Naaman's like the Samaritan. He's like that one Samaritan that was cleansed of his leprosy. He returns. He didn't have to. He could have just said, oh, I'm glad to be gone to this. Let's get back to Damascus. I can't stand this place. He didn't do that at all. He said, we got to go back. As, as rudely as we were treated, the fact he wouldn't even come out, we've got to go back. So he turns around and he goes back to Elisha. And this time, verse 15, the, verse 15, he proclaims his faith. But this time, Elisha comes out of the house. Elisha comes out of the house and he stands before, he stands before Naaman. And Naaman testifies of his faith in Jehovah Jesus when he says, behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. So now Naaman, when he makes that proclamation, he takes his place among the great Gentiles of faith in the Bible, of whom the Lord said, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And it was all possible because a little maid was not afraid to speak about God, and Naaman was not afraid to humble himself before God, and his servants were not afraid to counsel their enraged master. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these that you've shown us here in the Bible this morning. We pray, Lord, give us the same boldness of the little girl. Give us the humility also of Naaman, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Are you seeking employment? Tom Cantor, the founder and president of Scantabodies Laboratory, would like to invite you to a job fair open house. Scantabodies Laboratory, a biotech company, will be accepting resumes on Saturday, April 14th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m., located behind the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. That's Saturday, April 14th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. For more information, visit scanabodies.com or call 619-258-9300. That's 619-258-9300. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 